Okay. Yeah. So we're ready for three, two, one. Hey, folks, this is Kevin the Beast B. Ploth coming to you live from the Boogie Down Bronx with Synergy 23. And we were just listening to uh, one of Eddie Rich's picks, which is from the Eagles. And now we have none other than Lou Vickery here with me on the show. Well, welcome, Lou. How are you doing? Kevin, I tell you what, at my age, there's only two pounds of days, good and better. <laughs> so this one is going to be a better one, all right? Uh, well, it, I, I hope it is a better one. Um, one of the things uh, intrigues me about you is your career uh and now we're we're spanning several generations. Um, About six decades. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you and me, Kyle. Yeah, I I I I always believe people are surprising. I think it, it has to do with your sense of humor, yeah. your your positivity, and and your your sheer determination. Um, I think. What people miss, um, and, and I think you talk a lot about it, winning the head game, is they get too caught up in here, and they get too caught up with what everybody else is thinking instead of right. tapping into who they are. Um, one of my big questions is, what is your purpose with the current book? That's out right now that people can get on your website. They could also get it on Amazon and all the other platforms. What was your purpose for doing this book and getting it out there? Well, winning the head game, uh, we wrote it basically, it has an athletic theme to it. Mm -hmm. But, Kevin, there's very little difference between what goes on in the sports world and what happens in real life. You know, where one ends, the other one begins. So you don't really, you know, I mean, what transfers from the sports world certainly can be beneficial to you in the, what I call the real world. But uh, Coach Sonny Smith and I, Coach Smith who was Charles Barker's college coach, and um, Coach Smith and I have been friends a long time, and we decided there's 60 years of experience between the two of us from playing and coaching, and uh, we, we decided that we wanted to do the book because we felt like the missing link. But so many folks, it happens from the shoulders up. As, as Coach Smith likes to say, what is happening in the six inches on your shoulder? So, and yep. that's true. And uh, so the, the book was really geared, like I said, for athletes. But it has application for anyone that reads it or what goes on in life. Very true. So now, folks, if you're just tuning in, we have none other than Lou Vickery. Um, and here is the sharp-looking young man when he was with the St. Louis Cardinals, the New York Yankees, as well as coach for the Cincinnati Reds. Now, we are talking about his most current book, if you guys could see that right here, Winning the Head Game, Key to Elite Athletic Status. Um and this followed, before that, you had uh, Reach Beyond. Am I correct on that? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, gosh knows, uh, Kevin, because of COVID, we've backed, we got a bunch backed up. But uh, we're, we're going to be releasing at least one book every quarter, probably over the next year. So we, uh, 
we got a lot coming and we reached beyond. Uh, I, I had one back uh, several years ago that uh, I've actually written. I have 21 books in print. but uh, How many? 21. 21. That's more than the 14 that, that your, your buddies Rick and Bubba even mentioned. Yeah, I know it. So I've added some since I was with them on that that interview. Wow. You know, you mentioned Rich and Bubba. They were the first to interview a new president in, in uh, 2016 named Donald Trump. He granted them the first interview. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, at any rate, that's so much for trivia. But, uh, <laughs> I have a book called A Touch of Grey. Yes, I have that here. It's a holy novel. And uh, it, Kevin, and we've, uh, the movie rights on it have been secured. So we've got a five-year window. Hopefully it will be turned into a movie. But it's it's a wonderful book, and it's available also at um, Amazon. um, Yeah, I don't know if you saw. Some other places. We have that right there, A Touch of Grey. Oh, yeah. It's actually, uh, if I might mention, it's a story about two kids growing up in the segregated South in the early 50s, and one is black, one is white, and they're best friends. Touch of gray. Extremely difficult time, but it's it's more of a Huckleberry Finn uh, type book where it's all the things they got they got into together, and believe me, they did get in some some, some tight spots. So <laughs> just two kids trying to be. Trying to be kids, if you know what I mean. But it's a wonderful story. It uh, it runs a gamut on emotions from laughter and, and, and gaiety all the way down to real sadness. And I I, I have not yet to spoke anyone spoken to anyone that has read the book and told me they didn't laugh and didn't cry. So that uh, covers the emotions. But uh, it's a wonderful book, and I certainly recommend it. Oh, I, I actually have it in my um, basket, and it's on its way to me, so I cannot wait to read it. Um, oh, great. And just reading the synopsis, and I totally thought it would be a great either TV show or movie or a podcast um, or an audio book. Um, I think the premise in it, it it's very timeless and timely. Um, it reminded me of uh, the movie with Sidney Poitier and uh, Tony Curtis. Um, Huckleberry Finn, as you mentioned. Um, again, I, I think those themes uh, go back to the root base of human nature. And it's like you said, adventures, and they get into all kinds of mess. And it seems like you and I have that in common a lot. You and I seem to get in a lot, all kinds of messes, but we seem to persevere and get out of them. That leads me to my next question. I want to hear about how tough your noggin is. I heard a rumor they took an x-ray of your head, and they said they found nothing in it. <laughs> I don't know how much time we have. But boy, we we have time. You, you launch right into it. So what happened? This x-ray and uh, the newspapers. Kevin, the Sporting News said, they wrote an article where it said I was hit in the head more different ways than probably any baseball player in history. I, I think I got hit 11 different times. What? From a umpire hit me to a catcher hit me, line drive hit me. But the biggie was the one that when I was pitching in Atlanta. Now, that was pre-break, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, I started the game. I, re- I had written a book called Answers to Baseball's Most Asked Questions back in the middle, middle 90s. Right. And, and 
comes in there and says, what does getting knocked out of the box mean? Well, it's actually it's a baseball term for when the manager comes and takes you out of the game during the course of an inning. You're... Obviously, I wasn't doing too well. Uh... <laughs> it takes me out of the game, and I the old ballpark in Atlanta, to get to the, to the dressing room, you had to go down past first base and then go under the stands. So I make my way down to, to take a shower, uh, not feeling any fans are telling me just how good I am, right? So my wow. skin is about this high. I get down, I take a shower, I come back down the runway. Now understand the only thing above ground is my head. So I look, I'm looking at the scoreboard and I hear the crack of the bat and there's a line drive foul ball coming straight toward me. And I cannot get out of the way. The only thing I can do is kind of cast my head back. It hit me squarely between the eyes. <laughs> now, I go down for the count, right? So, basically, I'm already knocked out twice. But uh, they carried me to the hospital. Then no one knew I was there until they came down to retrieve the ball. And the ball boy saw me laying out with a big knot on my head. What? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I don't guess anyone had even noticed it because it took, I, I, I didn't lose conscious, but boy, I started having a severe headache. Well, they got me over to Grady Hospital and checked me out over there, and they found out, Kevin, what my mother already knew. I had a hard head. Ah. So, <laughs> Moms uh, always know. <laughs> uh, other than that, but here's the real kicker. Sports page, next day of the Atlanta Constitution. Right. Victory, knocked out twice. Now, the subheading was the best part. X-rays of head show nothing. Wow. Oh, there you go. Wow. Well, I would love to see that article. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. If you, if you have a picture of it, definitely send that to me. I wish, you know what? I didn't, I, I never, I, I had a copy of that headline, and I could, I don't know where it went, but. I'm sure we can find it. That that that's 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 a classic. Well, I, you know we have that in common. Um, my uncle, um, who's long past now, uh, he had for over fifty years a Dixieland Street Preservation Marching Band, and we would play for all of the fire departments throughout New York State and everywhere. So the night before, I'm messing around with my two younger brothers, my cousin, and then her then uh, fiance, soon to be husband. So he's laying on the bed, so we're joking around, so I just start charging. And now, mind you, I'm 6'6", almost 300 pounds. I take a leap like this, and he's laying on the bed about to, like, tackle him. Well, I forget that he's a small guy and very quick. Slides out of the way. I slide across that bed and put my noggin right into the end table. I'm rolling around, rolling her. And then as soon as I take my hat off, they start laughing then we get to the parade the next day, and I got to carry a bass drum, bang it all the way for hours in the in the summer heat, and they're just the whole band is cracking up, making fun of my noggin, and they said, "Oh, you need to go to the hospital." No, I'm fine. And then I hear my mom in the background, "Oh, he's got a hard head." So, moms know, <laughs> but I didn't get any headline. <laughs> that is for sure. So that leads me to something interesting about you and your books. You have done, if I'm not mistaken, two books on indigenous people. Yes. One is the Alabama Creek Indians. And then there's another one I'm waiting to get via 
eBay that's hardcover, um, which was something written earlier by you. I'm going to pull that. It was uh, called The Rise of the Porch Band of Creek Indians. Yes. And um, very hard book to find, by the way, folks. Um, can you talk a little bit about first that one, the, the, the Porch Indians? And then we'll go into the Alabama Creek. That's fine. They're very similar books, but uh, the content there, one difference is the Porch Banner Creek Indians was at my, right, part of my hometown. It just, it was a reservation. It was the only, I was born in South Alabama. The only, uh, it's the only federally recognized uh, reservation in the state of Alabama. Mm -hmm. My grandmother, or my dad's mother, was a member, uh, she was a Creek Indian. And so, I, I did this because we did not know our family heritage. It was, it was not kosher, Kevin, to be a Native American in our part of the country. Uh, and all the way up until they started to get some recognition in the 40s. Right. I mean, they, they, they did, we had a school for the whites, we had a school for the blacks, but the Indians were not allowed to catch the bus to come to a high school. They could go to the ninth grade. Wow. Can you believe that? Now, that was up into the 40s. Yep. And we had probably the first sit-in. Some members of the tribe sat in the middle of the road, stopped the school bus from passing one morning, and after that, the board agreed that they would stop and pick them up. Now, I want to make sure I get this straight. If you could drive to school, you could go to school. But if you could not, the bus would not pick you up. That's right. Well, you know, similar stuff happened up here in the, the, the north, Boston, New York. Um, even even to this day, if you go out to Long Island to the Shinnecock Reservation, it's not not the, the funnest place to be at. Um, yeah. I um, mean, even then, they... they <coughs> They still get the short end of the stick. But anyway, back to your, your, your book. So what what was the catalyst to make you it, – it, was this something that was always inside of you, a concern, and then the need to write the book? Surprisingly not. It occurred because uh, an uncle of mine got involved in researching the family. And uh, he had run into some roadblocks, uh, and he just kind of quit doing it because – whom we thought was our great-grandfather was turned out not to be our great-grandfather. I spent two and a half years researching for this book. Wow. And I found a lot of things that have, that we had heard were not true, a lot of things that were. Let me share something with you that occurred in our neck of the woods. In Baldwin County, Alabama, which is where I live now, is, uh, has two first. The first is in 1790, uh, Alexander McGillery, who was the head of the Creek Nation. If you notice, in the Creek history, Kevin, they all the, uh, what we call Metis, which are half-bloods, mm -hmm. took the name of their Scottish, Irish, or English father. So Alexander McGillery's father was a, um, from Scotland. His mother was a, a, a noted member of the Creek tribe. The Creeks had a caste system, and the Wynn clan was the lead clan. And the reason why it's called the Wynn clan, because the, the natives 
but centuries ago believed that life occurred, your, your body came up out of the dirt, and the wind would blow life into you. That makes sense? Yes, it does. And so that's the reason why the wind clan was the top clan in the cast. All the other clans were named after animals. There were the, the coons, the martins being a bird. And, and so it was much different than it is, uh, I mean, than it was with a lot of other tribes. But Alexander McGeary went to New York, met with George Washington. George Washington knew he was a strong leader with the Creek Nation. And he, right. Washington knew that they did not need to have a, a battle with the Native Americans at that point in time. And so uh, he named him a general, a general get you in the U.S. Army. And wow. so he became, listen to he was a colonel in the Spanish, he was a major in the, in the French, he was a major in the British, so Washington decided he'd step up and make him a general. So he was in four armies receiving a salary. Washington gave him $1,000 a year in 1790. It wasn't a bad deal. So to, to, then he became General Alexander McGill. Well, he never wore the uniform, but he carried the title. So he, that was a first. Because, see, the Indians, as you know, were not na the Native Americans were not U.S. citizens. No. It took years before they became that. The second one I want to share with you is David Tate Manack. He was my fifth-generation uncle. David Tate Manack went to New York under this agreement that Washington made with McGillery, they could send kids from the native, the young Native Americans from the Creek Nation could go to New York, and then when the capital moved to Washington, to Washington to study. David Tabernack went for one year of study to New York, and then was accepted at West Point. He was the first Native American to graduate from West Point, and uh, lost his life fighting for the U.S. government in the Seminole, Seminole War. Wow. So, quite a story. That, that, that you will find chapter 16, and it's in both books, but chapter 16 in the Rise of the Porch Panic Creek Indians. So, the, the, the more recent one, the Alabama Creek Indians, is more of a, a broader... Um, yeah, yeah, it covers more broader and approach, but there's still a lot of crossover. We use a lot of the same material. But there's there's some great stories there. There's like, a, I even see a movie about those two characters. <laughs> yeah, and then, then, then we had the Trail of Tears with Bear. With the chair, yeah. Never got his, never got his view with the press. And uh, Well, no, I mean, between that and then if you fast forward to, and, and, and people get very upset about this, they did a, a documentary on two of these things on PBS, but then they just got pushed aside. One was about the Armenian genocide and then also about the issues between 18, uh, late 1890s up to 1913, right before World War One. the issues with the influx of uh, Europeans coming to Turkey and Palestine and the beginning of all that nonsense. And... Then the the whole nonsense with the Turks pretty much trying to wipe out everybody, and they they to this day still don't even acknowledge any of that, but it happened um, because you had all these news organizations from then reporting on this, and no one did anything. 
And they still don't do anything because you still have issues going on in Armenia and Azerbaijan and Georgia. Like we still have issues going on here that get, you know, side sidelined. But that's not the topic of our show today. We'll, we'll circle back on my other podcast because it's more of a radio show. Um, that leads me to what is the future? What is your 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 upcoming books? What projects are you working on? What do you, what do you see for twenty twenty four and beyond? I am. Uh, I just received my mastermind certification, and I'm working on a book, and that is has become my trademark, if you will, my brand, and that is generational wisdom. These 63 years I've been in the workplace, I've learned a lot. I tried retirement. i got to share this. I retired retirement for six months, 20 years ago. <laughs> that didn't work. So <laughs> instead of being retired, I want you to know I'm refired. Refired. <laughs> hey, I'm so excited. i got three books in the works, very close to being finished. The first one is uh, one It's entitled, Hello, Let's Talk. And the reason for that is that that book is about the ability to communicate. We're losing it, Kevin. We're losing it. And it's because of... Communication. But it's still, the thing you miss so much in social media is body language, the tone of voice, all the things that can help you if you're particularly yes. in the sales end of it. Yes, yes. Better. Did you hear that, folks? Hello, Let's talk. And that's an upcoming book from uh, Lou Vickery. Um, and I have to agree with you with that. I And it's something that all of my guests have said since the first one. It's hard to get people's attention. Yeah. And it's getting worse. Um, I even ran into someone saying, well, I, my writing's not great. I, I don't really write well. I can't read script. And I'm like... Like, you and I, I, I mean, there is some time between us. You know, you're like Jack Benny 39, and I'm like Charlie That's Brown. <laughs> I, 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 listen, I tell everyone I'm 39. I just celebrated 43 anniversaries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that, I, I went through school where I had to learn typing. Remember? the I, Typing. I did, too. The registry, we have the, the little record playing, and then the click, bing with the little bell and then calligraphy script writing how to write a proper letter how to say good morning good afternoon good evening like and, and i get yelled at people why why are you writing long letters in an email and i said well an email is actually a letter it's not a text so a salutation of good morning good afternoon whatever not a quick one-liner um but I've learned to adapt and figure out like who I'm dealing with. So if someone's responding that way, I respond in kind for the most part. But I still say good morning, good afternoon with a, an end cap saying cheers or have a great day. It's just the way I was brought up because I yeah. think I think that's important. And again, that goes back to what you're saying. Hello, let's talk. That opens a conversation. And I think also... Uh, one of the reasons people ask me why I wrote my children's books wasn't to be a great ch children's book writer. It was to get people off this, off their asses, and in the kitchen and cook together. Because food is a 
multi-level bridge maker. It is, isn't it? Food, food and drink has done more wonders to bring people to a table to talk and to, like I tell my children, God slapped two things on the side of your head, use them, and you only got one of these, so. Yeah, <laughs> and that's in there several times, I promise you. <laughs> Hey, Kevin, I got to share this with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep, this is me, this is all you, man. <laughs> yeah, you, you asked me, said, Luke, where do you have the most fun? You know where it is? On an elevator. Really? With a bunch of people. Hey, hey, how y'all doing? Good to see you. Man, I mean, how's it going good for you today? And I'm telling you, you can get some of the greatest reactions. <laughs> <laughs> a, most of the time... Just as long as you have a good breath and you don't fart. So, I mean, that's that, that, that you'll, you'll win everybody over. <laughs> there you go. Well, at any rate, it's so much fun to do that. Now, what, what other book? You said you have three of them in the works. We just yeah. talked about Hello, Let's Talk. Do you have titles for the others, or you're not ready to? Yeah, uh, we, we, there is a book, and these are the two. I trained for, for 30 years. I trained after baseball. I trained uh, with... Um, Primarily with salespeople. The talk part is what I talked about. Called customer focus. It just and, and you take that and the ability to communicate with people. That's the, what the Hello Let's Talk book is is concerned with. Then I have a book. We we haven't settled on a title, but it's really about marketing for entrepreneurs. Hmm. A lot of people have they do they do great in the business world. Then they want to have their own deal. And they start their own company. They may have a product or service, some type of program. But the inability to really know how to, to put it out there and sell it is, is lacking in many places. And so that, that will be a book that will probably come in the spring. And then next summer we'll have my big book, and that is the, um, the Book of Generational Wisdom. We'll, I love that title. I love we'll it. Re, and, and, and Kevin, we're going to recap all the things that we've done over the years in that particular book. And so Now, do you think your wisdom has come from your upbringing or has it come from being an athlete? Has it come from being a coach? Has it come from being a radio show host? Or is it a combination of all of those? All of over, them. Oh, okay. Yeah, you think about it. Many people on your show that's been through a plane crash, earthquake, tornado, and a hurricane. Or hit in the head with a baseball. Yeah. Or uh, by an umpire. I still want to find out about this umpire hitting you. Like, what the heck was going on in this? <laughs> well, hey, I'm 18 years old. I throw a pitch, guy hits the foul ball in the stand. I'm sitting there looking at a beautiful blonde sitting right behind the dugout, right? Distracted. <laughs> Here comes a pill. A bar stroke and hits me right side. So oh no! Oh. I won't be up. <laughs> well, folks, um, that's getting us to the end of our interview with uh, Lou Vickery, and we just talked about uh, one of his titles, Generation Wisdom. And folks, it kind of behooves you all to get out there and talk. To some of the people that are a lot older than you, because wisdom equals knowledge, knowledge equals power, that power equals into helping other people. 
And by helping them, you're helping them by listening and giving them a moment to share that knowledge, you know, and you'd be surprised how people's faces light up and spark up and react and make sure you have food because let me tell you, food and beverage and coffee is the best bridge builder. So Lou, a uh, couple more questions before we get to the, the beast question of the week. We're going to go right back now to re one of your other books, Reach Beyond. Um, throughout that book, you, you are guiding people to their path of success. What was it that made you decide to say, hey, people need this? And what... In a short few words, what is your vision of people's success? Or what would you hope for them to get out of this? Well, the first thing is that, that people must decide for themselves is what is success for them. Hmm. You know, it's not always monetary. In fact, yeah. most times it's not monetary. So I think that one of the toughest things to do is decide what is success to me and what will make me happy. And I, in this particular book, have an illustrate about 40 stories of people who have overcome handicaps in some way, most of them of, of, of their own making, so to speak, which is a basic problem for a lot of us. And uh, I went through that in the 40s when I was in, in, my, in my 40s. I struggled for, for almost a decade. And then I finally got, got to footing, and uh, I... Uh, and so the stories that I recap in here are all great. I got to share one Yankee story. Can I see that? You can do that. Listen, I, you're talking I, to a Yankee guy. I mean, I'm up, up here in the Bronx. I'm a, I'm in your home turf. You played for the Yankees, but <laughs> well, we were in spring training, uh, 1965, and it's toward the tail end of Mickey Mantle's career. We still had all the greats there from that era. Roger Maris. Roger Maris. Yogi. Bobby Richardson. Trish, you know, in the outfield. Uh, it is uh, Elson Howard. Elson, oh my God. Al Downing, uh, 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 who had been a friend of mine. We both, we played against each other the Babe Ruth World Series. And got, no! We had similar luggage and got it mixed up. And so Al became a friend of mine at 15 years of age. Oh my and then God. And we are back, you know, some eight, nine years later, we're teammates. But, uh, Dressed right across from me, and he noticed that I did not have uh, updated equipment. Oh no way! You know, most all ball players uh, at the major league level have a contract. Well, somewhere I, I well, I just come to the Yankees, you know, you know, from the Cardinals, and so um, I told him, "Well, no, I don't have a contract, Kevin." That afternoon, when I got after workout, my locker was full of all new equipment because of him. Yes, people don't don't re realize that. Like it was different. <laughs> and so, Mel, I, I, I said, I said, Mickey, thank you. And he said, Kid, I want you to know you're a Yankee now, and the Yankees go first class. Wow. And I never forgot it. Wow. So I thought, hey, that's Did... our le legacy, my friend. We all want to go first class. And yes, we do. You know, I have to say that, folks and listeners, if you just tuned in, uh, Mr. Lou Vickery said, 
Everybody wants to go first class. Yankees go first class. Everybody goes first class. And one thing I always say, if you're riding on my train, everybody's welcome and everybody's first class. So, Lou, one quick question. Let's go back to the Yankees. You brought up the Yankees. Um, did you get a chance to see the, the documentary that's out right now with uh, Yogi Berra? I did. What did you think? Well, you know, Yogi was not there the year. Remember, he had, he had managed the team the year before. Yep. He led him to the World Series. He got fired. So. Yes! <laughs> and the manager for the Cardinals comes over to be the manager of the Yankees. He got knocked to the box. Oh, you do? No. Hey, well, you know the great one? It says, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. You know, and, the, 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 and you stop to think about it. If you don't take in some direction, you're going to get run over by the future. Yeah. You just, <laughs> so that's one of my favorites. Another one is, they say that you can't do it, but that doesn't always work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yogi. Oh my God! Hey, so, what, did you did you uh, get to interact with Billy Martin? For me, did you get to interact with Billy Martin? No, I did not. Billy Martin, no, I did not. But I heard a great. <laughs> hey, you know what? When you sit in the bullpen, you hear a lot of stories. So. Oh, I believe it. I believe. Like, uh, you ever see the movie uh, Bull Durham? The scene where they're up on the mound and they're talking bullshit and it has nothing to do with the game. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, Lou, this is leading me to the beast question of the week. These are questions that my team and I carefully uh, curate, cultivate, culture, percolate, and we make it specific for each guest where it's coming from the metaphysical to the cerebral. It's a very young, Freudistic, um, Nietzsche-esque. But now, here is the beast question of the week. What is on your train? What's on my train? Let me tell you. What's on my train is that I am thankful. I am thankful for being here. Right on. I had, real quickly, I had COVID real bad. The doctors had given up and told my family that I would not live. This was two and a half years ago. Wow. And I'm here. And when they looked at me, and the doctor dismissed me after 22 days in the hospital and lost 33 pounds, and when they dismissed I, they were not ready for me to go home, but I was ready to go home. I had to take a breathing machine with me, but uh, and I survived. And I want to share with people something that the doctor told me when he checked me out. He said, Mr. Vickery, those tan legs saved your life. And the reason he said that, <laughs> Kevin, is because I played tennis four or five days a week. Yeah, I heard. You picked up tennis. Yeah. And I play on the National Senior Circuit, Grand Prix Circuit. What? Yep. Oh, hold Can on a second. Go away? No, you paused for a second there. You're still there, though. I, I still hear you. <laughs> All right, I got a call coming from... Charlotte. Oh, <laughs> there you go. The, 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 there, there it is. Um, there you go. I got you back. Um, 
So that being said, you were able to overcome that and you're, you're still there. I'm here. All right, great. Uh, we'll, we'll uh, have fun with Miss Charlotte after. But, um, so you overcame that. So that's great. On your train is, is thankfulness and what else? Thankfulness, it's thankfulness, gratitude, and the fact that I have this opportunity. Oh no, folks. We, uh, lost Mr. Vickery. Uh, we're gonna try to get him back, uh, in one second. Uh, getting some, uh, connection issues from Alabama. Uh, again, you're listening to Synergy 23. Uh, this is Kevin the Beast B. Ploth coming to you live from the Boogie Down Bronx. We're trying to get Mr. Vickery back on the line. Um, Alabama was uh, bugging him, so we're trying to get him back on. And uh, just want to thank my listeners for everything that they do for me. And uh, coming up on Mr. Vickery's playlist... We have none other than Say Hey, the Willie Mays song, Send In the Clowns, Did You See Jackie Robinson, I Want to Know What Love Is, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, and Jolton Joe DiMaggio, and then that Lonesome Road. Again, uh, we were talking to Lou Vickery, the author of Reach Beyond, um, former MLB player. Hey, and he's back, folks. We got him back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, folks, we, we, we just got uh, Lou back, so he's going to finish the Beast Question of the Week. What else is on Mr. Lou's train? Go ahead, Lou. Well, I tell you, I'm thankful that I have this opportunity. I'm thankful for being here. I'm thankful for having the opportunity to visit and to share. I, I believe in my heart that I have something, and that's the reason I keep doing this. That's the reason for these books. Because, hey, it doesn't do anyone any good being in my computer, Kevin. So I want to put it out there and, and expose it. Kevin, let me share one thing. My sure. My email address is Lou, L-O-U, Vickery, 824 at Gmail. If you'll send me uh, an email to that address, I'll put you on my Sunshine Report. I promise you it will be great material. comes out a couple times a month. And we'll keep you updated on all our books. Did, did you hear that, folks? He gave you an email for you to reach out to him, and you'll get on his sunshine list. And that's a, a bargain you cannot ask for from generational wisdom, from the man himself, none other than the legendary Lou Vickery. Lou, uh, stay on. Um, I'm just going to sign out with the audience and play one of your tunes. Um yeah. And uh, again, this is Kevin the Beast B. Ploth coming to you live from the Boogie Down Bronx, Synergy 23 with the legendary Lou Vickery. And we'll be right back. Hey. 